Hey guys, welcome to the Stan Kirsch Studios podcast, where working actors talk. Each episode, one of our amazing faculty members chats with different TV and film professionals who share their experiences, provide advice, and just talk about issues that are relevant today. This week, our studio director, Colleen Foy, sits down with one of the producers of the Netflix hit, Don't Look Up, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. She is also an incredible actress and a former teacher here at SKS and a great friend of the studio. So without further ado, I present to you producer and actor extraordinaire, Stacey Robert Steele. As I was writing, sort of putting together your bio, you were in The Big Short and you were in Vice. Yes. Um, I remember getting a screener for Vice and being like, oh my God, Stacy's on this screener. Stacy's on this screener. Um, uh, line on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did that come about? So, okay. So Big Short was, Big Short was a little more standard in that I, uh, I auditioned for, I, you know, I got, I auditioned for it and then I got the role in it and, and it was great. It was it shot down in New Orleans. Wow. It was, it was a small part, but I got to go down there for three days shoot the whole thing. Um, I will say one thing I remember coming back and actually talking to Stan about this is like that shoot in particular made me realize how uh, happy I was the preparation I had done at the studio in that when I got down there, I don't know, I had like five lines. Like I knew I was comfortable with my acting. I was comfortable with lines. I knew it was going to happen. But my, when I, the audition, the scene was me at a table trying to sell people real estate literature. Um, when I got to set, it was a giant hotel conference hall with 300 extras, a stage that I had to stand on while someone get, finished up a speech. They put me in foreign heels. I had to walk down the stairs, <laughs> walk down a giant like hallway of people, and then go deliver all my lines. And I also had to time that to make sure the two guys were walking over to my table at the right time. And like that to me was like, oh, like that's the that's the reason that you want to be so prepared, you know? Because mm -hmm. I if I I do think if I would have done that five years earlier, that really would have tripped me up in the moment, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, but anyway, so I did that. Then I got cut out of the movie, <laughs> which, you know, it happens. Happens to the best of us. I, I said after it happened, I was like, I've, I've never been so honored to be cut out of an Oscar winning film. So <laughs> that was great. Um, but I found out like a month before it was coming out. So it was a big bummer, but. But who emails you to let you know? So it ended up being the director, who was Adam McKay. Um, he, he, I know it was amazing. He, he's, uh, was, is a very nice guy. So he emailed me with the producer and said, you know, just letting you know, like you're one of the roles who got cut, like would love to have you in something again. And I was like, great. But then I was also like, yeah, everyone says that. Like we all hear that, you know, like, yeah, we're going to bring you back next season. And it's like 12 seasons later and the show's canceled. <laughs> that happened to me too. Um, but, <laughs> but even with that situation, I was kind of like, okay, but then Years later, uh, I saw on Deadline that he was doing Vice. And so I sent an email, to, I responded to that email and I said, hey, like, if there's anything right for me in this when you guys get going, like, I'd love to be a part of it. Did not hear anything back. Um, I think the producer wrote back and she was like, you know, thank you or whatever. And then four months later, I had just had a baby and my agent emails me and was like, hey, we just got an offer. You're shooting uh, September 19th on this movie opposite Christian Bale with Sam Rockwell. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I thought they like forgotten about me. It was, you know, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, so then I ended up doing that. And uh, it was similar experience, like super fun. We did a little more improv on that one. Um, and it was you had great. a scene with both, I mean, with both of them, right? Sam yeah. and... So it was basically, seen, I mean, it again got trimmed down, but event, what it actually was is there was a short scene with me and Christian Bale where he's in a waiting room and then I walk him in with Sam Rockwell. And then we had like some little bits here and there with him before I leave. Um, and so, but yeah, it was like, it was a really great experience, but I also, because I had already worked with the same producer, I had, she was the one who was also on set for Vice and I had like briefly in passing talked to her about, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I, cause while I was pregnant, I wasn't really acting. So I got, I started directing more and was producing friend stuff and this and that. And uh, I mentioned it to her. And then like a couple months later, I just emailed and was like, hey, if anything comes up. And I, I'd reached out to a bunch of places at that point. Cause I was kind of like interested in making a shift. 
Um, yeah. And she was, it was like right place, the right time kind of thing, you know? That's amazing. Um, I know that's like a perfect segue into working for Adam McKay, but I want to quickly ask about your Oscars experience. Oh, (laughs) I mean, because also this is one of those moments where I'm watching the Oscars and I'm like, oh my God, there's Stacey. She's there. Because what was so surreal though is like, so I started working for, at the time it was Gary Sanchez Productions. I started working for that company when they were finishing editing Vice. So I was in the edit room of the movie I was in, which like, you know, I mean, that just happened to be like the job I, you know, got whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, then the movie went to the Oscars. And if I was the person in one scene, I wouldn't have been going to the Oscars, but because I was now working at the company, I was going. Um, and it was, you know, I'll say it's, it was half super exciting. Like we get there, you walk up that big stair. I mean, you go through the red carpet, you walk up the big staircase, you know, all these, you know, drinks and the fun and the this and the that. And it's really exciting you first sit down and then you realize like, oh my God, like these commercial breaks, we just like sit here and it's like, you know, it gets real boring. (laughs) Wow. Exactly. Uh, But no, but it was, I mean, it was, it was a really great experience overall, but I just mean that like, there's the glitz and the glamour side. And then there's also the side that's just, you know, you're sitting through a, uh, what can be sometimes boring award show. <laughs> okay. Well, crikey. I didn't know that. Um, okay, great. So let's like use our, our amazing segue into you were putting some feelers out and you touched base with the producer um, uh, who is, this is now sort of the second time you've reached out since saying, hey, if anything comes up at Vice for, for the movie Vice, think of me. And now you're reaching out saying, hey, I'm looking to make a little shift. I have a daughter. Um, uh, and she responds, you go for an interview and yeah. And, um, and yeah, and then I, I mean, it's, not, it's so I, yeah, I had an interview and then it was like, great, like, let's do this. Like immediately in the room. And then I waited two months before I actually had the job. Like I checked in here and there, but it was kind of like, I, I think part of it without getting into too much was that it was Gary Sanchez. They were in the process of splitting and starting a new company. And I think the idea was that I was going with a new company. And because that process was taking a little bit longer, that's kind of what, you know, extended that time frame, sort of. But, um, but yeah, when I first started, I mean, I was, I, it sort of worked out where I was in the transition period. So I was sort of helping out the other associate producer. Got so basically I was like, just sitting in the edit room, like giving thoughts here and there, but also kind of learning about what the process was. Um, reading a lot of scripts, giving a lot of notes, uh, just kind of like developing taste on things, you know? Oh, interesting. Um, and so I got the luxury of being able to do that for a chunk of time um, while we were, while they were finishing Vice, however you want to put it. Um, and then, yeah, and then I got bumped up to associate producer and, and now it's, there's still some of that. Like I, I definitely still, uh, Basically, whenever we're not shooting something, I fall more into the development side. So reading any intro scripts and stuff like that. But then when we're actually shooting, then I'm on set every day for that. And everything from, you know, I mean, I can think of ridiculous. I mean, there's there's the smaller side is like, you know, something I think of on the pilot is we, uh, you know, there's a photo they make a close up of, of a father and daughter, John C. Riley and his daughter from 15 years earlier. So I had to get photos of the girl, the daughter, and the baby, and then like talk with the art department of like, how are we going to make it look like this John C. Riley's head on here? Like go to the costume department. What kind of clothes would we adjust here? Like stuff like that that is so ridiculous because then you watch the pilot and it's like one second. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but also like I was able to produce one of the scenes there where they're like, okay, you take this one and run. Like you like find all of our top choices for the backup dancers, for the guy we're going to cast as the you know, uh, MC, you know, it's like, there's, so there's kind of a range of things, but it's, it's also just the other set of hands there pretty much. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so just to be clear, um, Gary Sanchez was splitting into two. So it was Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, right? Um, Adam's side. Uh, so I work at hyper object industries now. Okay. Awesome. And your interview was like that. It was easy peasy. It was like, it was ridiculous. I was, uh, I ended up going to his house and was in his kitchen. Uh, and <laughs> I waited there for a while. And then he just kind of came in and asked me a couple questions. Like, well, no, you seem great. Like, uh, Robin thinks you're great. So, uh, yeah, let's go make some movies. And then I was like, cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, but again, I mean, I also will say those, like I had a lot of, I did have a, a, a lot of bricks laid 
you know, of like, you know, being here for over a decade and, you know, like I said, like working in production companies and stuff, but I also like worked as a personal assistant. So I've worked with like directors and writers and stuff, you know, like it was just kind of like all of the things I had done. It, yes. it actually made a lot of sense, like how quickly it all happened once I kind of looked back, you know, which yeah. I think with actors too, is like, you spend all this time being like, oh, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. And then you look back and you're in a series regular on a show and you're like, oh, I did all that. You know? Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's amazing. Um, so what were you guys, was it right away the HBO show that you guys were working on or was it Motherland first? Uh, we were, so Motherland, to be clear, Motherland is, uh, I do a little, I've done a little bit on that, only in that, like, I've kind of been the opinion for casting, like, it was, like, tapes were coming, and they're like, Stacey used to teach acting, like, come look at these, what do you like? Oh. Um, but I'm not, I'm not as involved with that, because it's in Vancouver, and there's, like, you know, whatever, it's not a project that I'm totally based on, but, um, the first thing that I was a part of, yeah, was the HBO pilot, which is now a series, um, it will, I don't know when it's coming out guys. Cause now we have to, we were going to be shooting the series now. And now I think we're pushing till next year or something. Oh, wow. So I know a little bit about it just because we're homies, but would you mind telling everyone just a little bit about it? So, um, with, with as much as I can say, I was hoping that we would have shot all of it by the time we did this. And then I could just talk about it all I want. Uh, <laughs> but the short of it is, I mean, it's starring John C. Riley who plays Jerry Buss, um, who uh, was the owner of the Lakers during the Magic Johnson era. So basically like 79 to 91 when uh, Magic was HIV positive. And uh, it, it, it's a fascinating story. It's based on the book Showtime, uh, which is very confusing because it's on HBO. Uh, but uh, so it kind of, it tracks the team, but it's about, it's about basketball. It's also about race relations in LA in the eighties. Um, you know, also Jerry Buss and his life and his crazy world. So it's, it's a really fascinating uh, mesh of a lot of worlds coming together. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you were on set for every day of shooting that, right? I was. I was there for, I was there for all of the casting session, all the producer sessions. I was wow. Um, and, and then, yeah, then I was on set every single day. And then I was in the edit room, like I would say 60% of the time for all of last year. And then we finally finished it at Thanksgiving last year. So that's amazing. Um, so I'd love to talk about what you, what you saw on set, what you learned, but first let's go to casting. Um, yeah. was it all in, you, when were you guys, uh, casting this? I mean, March feels like five years ago. So my, my time is a little skewed yeah, right now. It was basically last year. So I think we started in, it was last summer that we were casting. Okay. We started filming in September. So it was somewhere in there, like last June or so. Um, were they all in person? So it was a mix because we were, we were um, casting a lot of real people that were also basketball players. I mean, oh, okay. that needed some skill for certain roles. Um, and also the height game is also a crazy world to play with. Um, so uh, yeah, so we were casting a lot of people out of LA, but we also were doing, getting tapes from Baltimore, Atlanta, New York, a little bit of Vancouver. Um, not a lot of basketball players out of Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we were also casting like, I mean, we, we read some real basketball players that had recently retired. Like that was fascinating too, like that were looking to transition to acting. So. Um, but because of that, it was a lot of things on tape and then mm. a lot of, um, Skype sessions, uh, which, uh, for those of you who are younger, that was uh, a year ago. Before <laughs> um, but, uh, but that, that was really interesting too, because, um, you know, I think like just, I mean, one thing I will say about self tapes, which I learned being on the other side is like, as an actor, I, I remember always feeling like, oh, if I could, like being in the room is so much better because you can really connect and you can really show them who you are and all that sort of stuff. I think that's totally true for the actor in that like that feeling, I, I totally get that that is true. But on the other side, it's like the same thing for us because like in the room, like when you're first walking in and it's the jibber jabber talk, like a lot of it is like, oh, I'm taking a note on the last person. Okay, I'm trying to find, like I was often reading the other role with people. So I'm like trying to find my page of like what role we're doing. And then when they start doing the scene, you're just focusing on the, the work the person's doing. And then we would do a self-tape as well. And then we'd watch that. And it's like, no, you get an idea of what they are as an actress. So like, for me, I was just thinking about it recently of like how important it is to embrace that idea as actors moving forward of like, 
let's stop worrying about connecting in the room because number one, we're not going to probably do that for the next year. Right. And, and also like, I just noticed on the other side, like it wasn't as big of a deal as it felt like when I was an actor or was acting, you know? That's amazing. Um, so, uh, I feel like because of uh, like sort of the quarantine that happened, what felt like kind of overnight, um, people are, uh, there's a lot of casting directors online who are like, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Like just show yourself, just blah, blah, blah. Um, but I actually think that aesthetics actually matter and yeah. some technical stuff matter. What, what are your thoughts? I, I agree. I mean, I, I will say, I mean, I don't know. There was like, oh, uh, uh, like, social media thing that went on for a while of like making fun of like these big actors that their tapes were coming out when it was like and how bad they were I don't know if you oh, saw but it was like, yeah. like they would be like in their bedroom like lying on a couch and they looked horrible and like stuff like that so I think like there definitely is a world where like you know in a certain box I do think it's important to stay in like I do think you know we have to hear you like we have to be able to have some decent framing to see you um do I think there's a little more leeway now? Like now that we're in each other's homes with Zoom, I do think like, I used to always feel like it has to be the neutral backdrop. I do think now you can get away with like a bookshelf behind you. Like if you're a receptionist or something, or like, I think you can play with that a little, but I still think it's like the cleaner things, at least from my perspective, when we're watching tapes, the ones that were really like poorly put together stuck out and not in a good way you know oh, wow and it kind it kind of just reminds me of like headshots like you look at headshots and you're like yeah 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 and then you see one where it's like out of focus and you're like oh okay you know and you don't quite know what to do with it sure so for me I think it's important I think there's a little bit of leeway but I think generally speaking like try and make something that you would want to watch that you would be entertained by right Okay, that's good. That's good feedback. That's really good feedback. <laughs> um, um, what else about self tapes, sort of, or self tapes or auditions that kind of stick out in a good way? Um, I mean, all things, all things being the same, like same lighting, same uh, framing, same sound, everything. Are there certain things that people do that make them pop more than others, or is that like a myth, or do you just feel it with the character? You know, I think, and this is where it gets hard for us. We're like as actors, we now have to become directors a little bit or think sure. about these things we didn't have to before. Um, but I think about, think about the show you're going for and like going in for and look at your tape and say, if I had that tape and I could magically put, you know, a basketball jersey on myself and have a locker room in the background, could that pretty much like go into the edit? You know what I mean? Like, uh -oh. what I mean is, is like, does the tone feel right? Like, does mm. it feel like, you know, I, I think it's like, I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of taping from, you know, boot camp we used to do of like, you frame a multicam a little bigger and the drama a little closer. Like, it's a version of that. Like, think about that a little bit because, right. you know, I think that can make things better. But it's interesting. Like, when you actually think of like what auditions really were amazing, like, it's more, it's, to me, it's more about the tone of the person's person and the essence of the person. Like, uh, I put this like if you you know I think as actors like you should always be thinking about what uh what shows you look at that you're like I could be on that but not only just your look but more importantly like what is your vibe you know and what is what kind of language like what type of writing just like feeds you in a way you know yes. like I love like medical jargon like lawyer speak like all that stuff but like if you try and put me in a western where i have to be like the quiet lady on the horse and like he's very <laughs> i can't do that and like that doesn't that's me that's you no <laughs> no but like i think that there's something to that of like you know just the people who kind of already felt like the show you know that's but, so fantastic yeah. Um, so what about, say I was last, uh, August auditioning for, um, Showtime on HBO, um, and it had not come out yet. And I don't quite know what the tone is. I know that Adam McKay's producing it, but he, he did a lot of like Oscar winning movies, but also a lot of Will Ferrell, like stupid comedies, stupid yeah. in the bad way. Yeah. And, and the writer is really interesting too, because I mean, the script is very much a drama with comedic tones, but the, uh, the writer, the last thing he had done before was, um, 
uh, one of the King Kong movies. I can't remember which one. Uh, but like, you know what I mean? Like a huge action movie that was just like not in line with what you would think of this mm. series. Yeah. So it is hard to say, but I think, um, I, I think, I think knowing who, like knowing who's making the projects, do a quick search on deadline. Like that's often easiest. Like if you search the name of the writer and name of the director, you can see the last few things they've been doing. Yeah. Um, and then if anyone has been cast, it's easier to, like John C. Riley is a good example. You know, he is very much a talented dramatic actor, but he has sort of this looseness and goofiness to him that you can play with. So I think you color your, your takes with that. Um, I mean, one thing that came up that I learned that I kind of wish I would have thought about more as an actor is like, we would have, because it was a pilot, you know, we would, we'd like three scenes. And a lot of times we would have someone do the first scene and they'd be great. Like as an actor, we were like, you're awesome. Um, but then it would be like, oh, this person, like, let's make this person a little more intense, let's say. Mm -hmm. So then they would go back, we'd do scene one again, they'd be intense. Then we'd move on to scene two and they would immediately revert to how they had played the scene one the first time. So it's like, it's the simplest thing, but just like, thinking about when you get a note early on in an audition, like make sure to check yourself before each scene and carry that on. Because that was kind of the way of saying, hey, this show is more intense than you're thinking, or this show is lighter than you think. And really playing that the whole way. Got it. No? Would it be acceptable or how would it be received in the room if I were to say, we just finished one, I took that adjustment. Um, great, we're going to scene two. Do you want me to keep that same intensity yeah. for yeah. scene two? Yeah, I think, I think that's totally great. And I think, I mean, that's the, yes. I mean, I think that's the thing that's scary about self-tapes is you won't be able to do those adjustments. But sure. well, I think there will be a lot more Zoom auditions. And yeah, like, I think you have the freedom to ask that stuff. Um, on that note, I think this is a story I told you, but I also found it very fascinating about taping in a room. And again, we might not do it for a while, but put this in your- Oh memory. yeah, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. So like, one of the things that this certain casting office did is they don't um, stop between takes. So you walk in the room, they hit record, you do all your scenes and they just keep recording. And I was like, wait, why did they do that? Like, that's so intense. And they were like, we want to make sure the character is the character in between. And without saying which show we're giving up too much information, like this particular actress was um, super tough and intense for scenes and really connected in that. And then they'd cut and she'd be like, okay, all right, we're doing scene two. Okay, thanks. You know, and it was like, she suddenly was a different person. And, and this is a series regular and she's up against one other person and the other person was more intense all the way through. And that was the, mm. you know? So it's like things like that, that just, you know, we gotta be on our toes for. Um, I would always think like, if I'm playing someone really fucking intense, then at the end I would be like, okay, thank you guys. Just so they know, like, I'm not, uh, you know, going to show up every day and be like, I'm going to hair and makeup, get me my burrito, you know, right. that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and I think, I think there's a version of that, you know, I, I guess what it is, is think of the character when they're going on a first date, you know what I mean? So like, if you have a scene where you're like fighting with someone and doing this whole thing, and then you cut and you're about to leave the room, how's that character on the first date? Like, she might still be like, hi, my name's Carla. <laughs> you know, she might still be intense but it's kind of cute all of a sudden or she oh might i love that so i don't have to revert back to full colleen like thank you guys so much i stay in carla and i yeah. say thank you so much for having me peace yeah. out see you on set yeah <laughs> exactly finger guns and again that's kind of what i mean is like the easy transition from the audition to throwing it throwing it in the edit you know? I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, I, years ago, um, uh, was able to intern for CSI New York and in the casting office. And I remember, this was like very long time ago, way before Skype. And um, so we, we auditioned uh, co-stars. We burned to disc the top three. We took it to them as they were shooting on set. They were busy directing um, Gary Sinise. They were directing Gary Sinise. They were in between setups. We popped the DVD in and they watched the three final takes. I really think it has to, for me, stand the test. Of the test. If I watch Gary Sinise and then watch you, is it like the same show? But that, your, your way of thinking of it, does it like go right into the edit bay? Yeah. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's easier. I mean, it's like, and I know we all want to think like, oh, there's all this time to shape and this and that. But like, and we've talked about a million times, but like, you can't, there's just, there's never enough time. And it's like, so we're always trying to do something quick. And it's like, 
you know, you just, you kind of just have to take what you have and run with that, you know? Got it. Got it. Um, well, one of the shows that you had worked on, I, I, you and I had sort of talked about it. The character was quite literally a drill sergeant mm -hmm. and, um, and I and was sort of giving one of those speeches where like everyone's in rows and they're saying, this is what we want you to do. And this is what we think of you. Um, for me, it looked like a ton of intensity, but I'm sure that through, through the cycle of the first season or even the first three seasons, we're going to see more uh, dimensions to that character. But that sort of feels like you're playing the opposite of a drill sergeant. So how do you sort of find the balance or um, what, what responses have been received in the room when watching something like that? Yeah, I mean, do you, do you mean generally how far to go with the intensity without being too much? Or do you just mean how to play levels when it's one? Actually both. Okay. So I think there's two things. I think, I think, with, the, I think with the idea of like how loud and intense can you be, uh, as long as you don't do it too long. Do you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> yeah. moment, because I, I will say like in the room, but even on a self tape, it's like, we can have that moment when it blasts our earphones and we're like, oh God. But like, when it goes too long, it, then it has no meaning anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like mm -hmm. you being intense. Um, so I feel like, I mean, for me, I would say, I mean, again, it kind of depends on the role, but that role in particular, I think that looking at all of the audition scenes, they are kind of like this, like they're all sort of in the same wheelhouse, but just pick a couple moments where you can be whatever you think her lightest moment is there and whatever her most intense. Got it. And say those so you have some options. And then worst case, they come back and they say, hey, you know how you did scene two? Like do the whole thing like that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but again, like there is, it, I think it's better playing the range and being in the show, and again, that was a pilot at the time, but looking up what the other, what the creator made and, and just seeing how it fits in that show as a whole, you know? Got it, okay, awesome. So you said that you've recently done a Zoom casting? Yes, so I, I had an audition for, on Zoom, which was like, it was right, it was in April or something. It was also, I'll just quickly say, it was like the typical actor thing where I got the audition that I was gonna have a Zoom on, a, it was like on Monday, and I was like, oh, we're gonna have this on Wednesday. Got an email Tuesday, they said, never mind, offer went out, we're taking back all the auditions. And then like two weeks later, they're like, never mind, let's do a Zoom audition again. Oh, and then Lord. like during that the really intense time of like us being seen, where I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was interesting because I, I think what was it's kind of like doing a self-tape, but instead of having the freedom of when you cut, being able to be like, okay, like what do I want to change? you cut and you have to stay there and your face is sitting there. You know what I mean? Like, I know you can adjust it and make it so the pin. Sure. But still, it's like, you're still there in the moment and then you're getting adju adjustments in real time. But there's also like, I mean, the one thing I noticed is like, jokes take three seconds to land. And that's terrifying. <laughs> um, but you know, but I, I, I just was like, I, I think it's just going to become the norm. And like, what a, as much as I'm sure for you, like, the online classes I'm sure have been challenging in many ways, but yeah. I think like, Oh, you got muted for some, now you're back. Am I back? Yeah, <laughs> there we go. It's that's, that's the zoom life we are living. Um, what I mean is like, I think getting used to these technical issues or getting used to the the delay when you're doing a, a multi-cam and it's like they're not laughing right away or like yeah. just getting used to all that like it's 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 just going to be like how beautiful that we all have the time where we don't have auditions and we can all learn this new skill you know yeah that really has been one of the major parts of our classes going virtual um uh is just going like okay this like we have to be adaptable we have to adjust this is the normal it's like years ago when headshots went from black and white to color yeah um even if you had that one headshot in black and white that was just so amazing you're going to be left behind if you don't adapt yeah. Um, and I figured out, I thought the first week I could just use sort of my regular lighting, but I have a little book light and I have a little LED and now I have something propped up. I fine tuned what I need and that's just for teaching. Um, yeah. So yeah, it has been good to get used to it. Yeah. yeah. It's really, yeah. I just think it's like, again, like 
we, you don't normally have like I'm when it switched over to self tapes being normal. It's like mm-hmm. we didn't have it was just all of a sudden like oh I got a self tape oh my god I got a self tape oh they're coming in and then now it's like I mean I have a lot of friends that they're like I just before all this happened they're like I just self tape they're like right. I haven't auditioned for real in like a year so right and there was a time when you always had a producer session yeah uh, when thing now now then it became everything is on tape for producers. Like you're not going to meet those people. So yeah. this, my, my manager always says your first read is your callback. Yes. Like there's no, there's no, there's no twi- tinkering with it after this. This is the thing. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it's just the adaptability. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. So when you were on set, uh, how long did it take to shoot that pilot, by the way? I think we did 18 days. Whoa. Yeah. It was a, it's an HBO pilot. They like to like spend money and take their time. <laughs> wow, I would like to be an HBO thing. Um, that's amazing because typically, like a one-hour show would be eight days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fascinating. Moving forward, our episodes I think are going to be nine to twelve days, depending. Okay. But you know, but yeah, but the pilot we got a little more time with. Okay, so was all of that time shooting, or was some of that time rehearsal? Was, was there like basketball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dance? So, so okay sort of the interesting part is we cast uh the guy who played magic johnson early on enough i think we cast him in june or july and we didn't start shooting until september so he immediately like went to a trainer and was i mean he already played basketball a little bit he was more of a football player um so he definitely had to like adjust and learn how to play well and that was a pretty amazing process um but then uh we always i mean the the trainer was always on set so uh, anytime there was basketball play that day, um, it was, they would always be called like a little bit earlier and play with the coach for a while before they even went in to like hair and makeup and all that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just to sort of warm up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Warm up and also like, because blocking a basketball scene is, is way more than like, you know, blocking some real estate agent who's walking down a hall full of extras, you know, like that was like next level of it is like, they were having to like know their lines and all that sort of stuff, but like also being able to play. Um, so yeah, so there was a lot of that that happened on set, but I mean, we had, a, we had a good amount of time ahead of time as well. We did, um, because the, the two leads are John C. Riley and then this um, amazing actor who plays Mac Johnson, but who was an unknown, um, we did some sessions of him just kind of like them getting used to the process and stuff like that. And like, you know, so again, like he was a really well-trained theater actor and had done a couple of shorts, but like he had not done television. So it was sort of like, you know. Wow. So do you think his sort of height and um, athletic ability was what got him in for the audition? Or Um, did you go to see his play in the Valley? Um, you know, let me think about this. Like, I guess I'll say this. He was by far, like, it was an interesting role because he's up against basketball players who don't know a lot about acting. He was a very well-trained actor who had just not gotten his shot yet. Um, he also did a ton of work rehearsing and like, I mean, a ton of like coaching up to it to learn about film and TV because he had done like commercials, but he hadn't, he had still done like a lot of stuff really. Um, and so, but I will say like, he was, he was the best actor and that, that isn't always the case, but he really was like, even, he was even up against some people that were probably, uh, more experienced and seasoned actors, but he just really connected with the role and like, he was just the guy, you know, wow. and I know hear that it's like, and it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it is the hottest person or it is the person who looks the most like him, but he kind of had the whole package. Got um, it. Yeah. Um, someone asked, who are we talking about? John C. Riley? Um, no, it's the, um, on before unknown actor who played magic Johnson yeah, or who plays that. magic Johnson. Um, how did you guys trust that he had the like basketball skills? So we actually, we did a basketball test with all the guys that were testing. Uh, or Pan Pacific Park. Uh, <laughs> no. Was, it was like so surreal because it was like, oh, that's where we're going. So we just went to the, the hoops inside there um, and we had the trainer. And that was uh, sort of an interesting day because it ended up, because the director was sick, it ended up just being me and the writer and the casting director <laughs> there for all the auditions, which was just funny because I'm like, okay, I'm like helping do this basketball thing. Like I, <laughs> I didn't play basketball. I was a synchronized swimmer. 
Um, so, uh, but anyway, yeah, so we had all the guys test and do their scenes in full hair and makeup. So we had costume people come and they had their Laker gear. Um, one, we had a guy we were uh, casting for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he had like the fro that he had at the time in 79. And um, so they had to put all that stuff on, go do their test, and then they had to play basketball. Oh, wow. Well. So they're all testing together. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they were in the back room when we'd bring them out to the court individually, but it's like they all had to do them. I mean, they were all doing their hair and makeup in the same room right back there. I mean, it's, I, it was very anxiety-inducing, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's who I'm up against. Oh, I know that guy. Like, I know that basketball player, you know. Whoa, that's amazing. Um, uh, uh, I was going to ask you in the chat, but can we talk more about the Kareem actor or? Yeah, yeah, we totally can. Okay. He's a Stanford alumni now. He, well, he, he uh, Stan coached him for the pilot. Uh, so he, oh, sorry, um, he, uh, yeah, we, we had actually gone through, I'm trying to think how much I can say, but we, we'd, we kind of worked with a few people because that's a really hard role to cast. I mean, I think Kareem is seven, two, seven, three. Obviously, we weren't going that high. But <laughs> no, but like, but it is crazy. We brought him some real basketball players that were actually like, I have a picture of me at five, one with a seven, four basketball player. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, we'd gone through a fair amount of people that even after we, cause Kareem also, what was interesting about him? Yes. He plays basketball and all that, but he also was like a huge actor is a huge activist mm -hmm. and getting sort of that intensity and that type and, and being able to still make it interesting was actually a really hard thing to do. And you know, a lot of the people, because it's such a unique role, were bringing in people that weren't necessarily series regulars on shows, or you know what I mean? Like they had sure. much experience. So we had um, we had a couple of coaches, and then finally, I was like, "Well, I know who we need to let's get Stan Kershaw to do this." So we brought him in to coach um, Solomon, is the actor who's playing him now, and uh, and yeah, I mean, he was a he he did play semi professional basketball. But he also is a, um, he's a professor, I'll get it wrong at what exactly it is, but he's also a professor, part-time was, like an associate adjunct professor. Wow. So he kind of like had that whole background. Got um, it. And he was a public speaker. So like he did a lot of those sort of things that an actor would need. Um, right. And kind of just needed to hone in on the skills, like learning about how loud to speak when someone's four feet away from you or like that kind of thing. Um, but he also had some good natural abilities. So it was like an easy fit. That's amazing. Okay. I have a question that I didn't put on sort of like the syllabus for today, but it yeah. just came to me. So say I went in for, um, <laughs> it's funny thinking about me going in for this yeah. basketball yeah. show, <laughs> right? Um, uh, say I went in for this and uh, I'm, uh, let's just imagine I'm, you know, six, eight, whatever. Um, and I have, I have, you know, semi-pro basketball training. Imagine, imagine. Um, uh, and I went in and I didn't get moved on to the next slot. Just sort of like, it's not going any further. Okay. How would it be received if I were like, I know this is in me and I take, um, and I get a little hair and, and makeup magic and get a Jersey and go to Pantless at a park and shoot something myself. You know, to say like, look, I know you guys didn't see it in the five minutes I was in for the audition, but watch this tape. I think I'm your gal. It's funny. I don't know if you're asking this question because maybe we subliminally talked about it. I don't think we did, but like a year ago, but that happened. Stop. There was an actor who um, was very, was, was a fantastic actor. Like he's a seasoned actor, plays basketball, pretty much had the look, but just wasn't exactly what we needed. Um, and he ended up doing that where he ended up putting on all of the gear, just taking photos of him like shooting, like he actually recreated some famous Kareem photos. Whoa. And sent those over and we ended up testing him. <laughs> so he didn't, he ended up not getting the role and I, it was a, a variety of factors. I mean, even, um, you know, there's so much that goes into it and I think he probably could have been the guy, but it happened to be that like, you know, Solomon, 
with more of the guys, you know? Got it. Okay, great. Yeah, I was just sort of, I don't remember us talking about that, but it's just sort of like, um, I'm sort of working on the boundary between like le- accepting that it wasn't yours and like fighting tooth and nail to make it yours. So part of it, I, I think it's like, if you are the person who you have, if it's that such a specific role and you really do have all those things and you're like, you just need something else to push over the edge. Yes, I think have your agent send it. Um, I also think, one thing I've learned on the other side is like there are different agents out there and there are some agents like I have so much respect for and I'm like oh they like fight for their clients and then there are other ones that like you might send them pictures and the agent will be like eh, I don't really want to push any buttons with that you know what I mean so like right. you never know what's going to happen but like I would say if it really is the thing it's the type of role that like you respond to the writing and you really are like this is me and this is why it's me I don't think it's bad to give it a little nudge. Um, you just have to be prepared for the fact that they may just say, no, we're still not, you know? Right. There's so many other factors, you know? Right. I do feel like after, say I had done the video or done the photos or whatever, then I could be like, I did everything I could. Now I can truly accept or release or, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, okay, cool. So being on set, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about like just typical etiquette. Um, and, and also how different is it from the audition to actually being on set where people sort of, yeah. How, how much do things change? Well, I would say, I, I remember, I remember hearing this a lot as a teacher at the studio of people saying, you know, I, I just need to like get through the audition because once I get to set, like I can really work the role and we can do a few takes and we can really make it our own. And like, it's not the case most of the time. Like you might get two takes in an audition. You might get one take on set. Like you might be the last shot of the day and they're like, sorry, the other actor had to leave. And like, we're just going to give you one take. And suddenly your whole dream of like being able to work things is out, you know, out the window. So for me, I feel like on set is, um, it's, it's that much, uh, it's not easier than the audition, you know, yeah, yeah. The same, you know, you go, you do something, you do a few takes and you leave, but it's a lot of times it's harder because there's, there's more variables. You have the, the, the pants they gave you that are too tight and the, you know, like, or like they put too much makeup on you or whatever. You have all these other variables that like you got to control in the audition, you know, and now you're going and someone else is choosing all these things. Um, and I also feel like, you know, the idea of like, oh, I get to do a bunch of takes and then I'll eventually get one. Yeah. Me, and this isn't the case with everything, but I noticed on set that the people that came in and just had a really good solid first take that we could get out of the way then we were able to play and do a bunch of different things that we might use. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you had someone who wasn't quite getting it until like the fifth or sixth take, then the only option we have is like finally getting to that place. So it's, it's almost like you want the audition to be a place where you can nail the first take. Right. You know, because that's mm-hmm. what you want to do on set. You want to nail the first take so you can like relax. Okay. Now I'm going to do the one where I'm a little crazy, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> Always my second take, a little yeah. crazy. Um, uh, oh, shoot, there was one other thing I was going to ask you. Let me look at my list. Oh, um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to uh, hear about things that you have discovered now in the producing world that you wish you had known when you first started out acting. Yes. Um, it's funny. I feel like I kind of have talked about a lot, because I or some already, like, the idea of not cutting between takes is like, that was like my favorite first learner. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, I've never even thought about that. They'd be taping me. Um, and then, uh, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, yeah, the idea of connecting in the room. And I think, you know, I think the biggest, I don't know. I, it's such a general thing that I know we kind of hear a lot, but it's just like getting to a point where you are confident in your acting, you're confident in your ability to be able to prepare for an audition um, and you're confident in knowing the roles that you're good at, maybe the roles that are not quite your thing yeah. and being able to have that not be the worry anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, cause I do feel like, like it's on, I think it gets talked about as like actor excuses. And I, I sure. see that now, like, of just like seeing people come in for an audition and like struggle because they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. Can we start over? Like I, um, there was some paper rustling over there and it's like, you know, like stuff like that, that it's like, I totally get it. There's paper wrestling over there. It sucks. But it's like, like being able to just go in and like, do your best, even when it's not your best, like having your 80% still be bookable, you know? Yes. People oh. that really shine when they come in, like, 
shit's going down and they're still like doing their thing. Whereas the people that it's a struggle, it's like, you know, you just want to be like, okay, that's going to be a handful on set, you know? So interesting. So interesting. I'm so glad you said that. That's always been my gut instinct. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that inset, they're looking to pick you up from that um, audition and drop you into a scene with John C. Riley next Thursday. Because yeah. I mean, it's kind of what I was saying before. It's like being on set, there is so much other stuff. It's, it's the next level of things you're going to have to deal with. So like, why, you know, wh why expect that it's going to be easier once you get there? Like you have to be right. ready to be harder, you know, like there's yes. just so much, it's like Christine Coe talked a lot about it when she first did her first pilot is she was like, I got to set and suddenly I had to do all of these scenes every single day, every single day. And she's like, by the fourth day, like you're exhausted. Whereas before <laughs> I was acting one day a week, you know? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, we have to get our reps in now as yeah. if as if we were um, uh, doing this all the time, always on set. Um, uh, what'd you say? <laughs> always on Zoom. Like, do you always on Zoom? Always be Zooming. Yes, absolutely. Totally. Um, okay, uh, Evelyn, I'd love to open it up for some questions. Evelyn uh, raised her hand. Um, so I'm just going to unmute and, um, ask her to start her video. Hi, hey, Evelyn. <laughs> um, I just had a question regarding like, you know, when, a, when you feel like a role is really before you and you just recently coached me on this one and then oh, where yeah. I didn't hear back and like what's appropriate in terms of like reaching out. And so I kind of like sent some postcards to the producer and to casting, you know, but at the same time, like, I don't know if people are like going in their office and things like that. It's been a week now. Um, but it's like, that was kind of like my little push. Like, I just don't know what's appropriate and like what becomes creepy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think um, there's two things to that. The one thing I will say is what you did is exactly right. Um, you're, you're, I, I, I will say I have, um, when I've gotten postcards, I look at them and they often go in the trash, but it's because, because <laughs> I look at them like, oh, I remember her or like, I'll make a note or something. You know what I mean? It's like, usually it's like, it's just a quick moment of, okay, remembering that. But you're probably right. The offices, a lot of offices are closed, but you've at least done something where, when everyone goes back in and now they're shooting the series or now shooting another episode, like then they're going to see their postcard when they're actually casting the next episode. Do you know what I mean? So it might not be that role, but mm -hmm. it's also about kind of thinking of the roles down the line. Um, the other thing I would say is, and this is something my class did, our Thursday night class did, is we had created a grid. We all took all of our information of all the casting directors and made a grid of like, you know, we tried to put their pictures in and stuff like that, but we also did like who of them have said in workshops or just that we know, like postcards, who connects on Instagram, who connects on Twitter, who connects on Facebook. And we did that and that made it where like following up, like you knew what avenue to take, you know? Cause I do think there's a world where certain people like don't even look at postcards. Certain people don't even check their Instagram messages, you know? So I think it's just about like getting as much information as you can and, and taking note of it and like, um, yeah, using that information specific to each casting director. Okay. Do you think now, um, being a week past is too late to ask my agent to reach out to casting? So the reaching out to casting, I get it. Cause I used to always feel that right. Like, well, just check with them and see what the deal is. But it's like, <laughs> it doesn't, it only require, it only creates more work. Like it doesn't, I guess the thing is, is like, you're going to find, if you're getting cast, you're going to find out. And if you're not getting cast, it's probably a bunch of other variables. You know what I mean? So yeah. I get it. You want the, you want the <laughs> feedback and you want to know, but it's, it's just like, um, it just, yeah, it kind of creates a little bit more work, you know, <laughs> if it's yeah. regular, I do think there's a little bit of freedom, but anything else outside of that, I think it's more about like, you'll know when they call you back for another audition for a different role. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and also, Stacey, I remember when you were casting, um, one of my students went in for like the role of a uh, reporter or something, and you said it took like that, oh yeah, those auditions have been taped, we're not ready to like even sort of look at them right now. And that was just like, that was like a two week period um, when it was just sort of a, a very simple co-star. So things take time, right? Especially as like we're getting back into <laughs> getting back into things happening now. I think there's a lot of a lot of steps that we may not be privy to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, yeah, because it kind of goes both ways. It's like there are certain co-stars where you would go in at five o'clock on a Thursday and you'd know by eleven a.m. the next day. But there's also certain cast directors they want to get all the information in. So like on the HBO thing again, like we 
And we got links to like all of their top choices, but we wouldn't even be looking at that role until we passed the first five. So it was kind of like people were taping and then we were setting up like a Skype, you know, a month, month and a half later, you know? So it's, it's just hard to gauge. You never really know. And it's like, you just kind of have to like be confident in your work, do your best, put it forward and like get all your feelers out there, you know, and hope that like your path will cross again with that casting director, that producer, whatever, because then you'll have some sort of, you know, groundwork for it. Um, with every series, um, Evelyn did an amazing audition, by the way. I have no doubt that if it doesn't go her way, it's not because of talent. Um, uh, but for every series regular, should we just assume that there's offers out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't think people should think about it that way. I mean, I guess I'll say this. Like, I was shocked how many things were, like, how many things we got, uh, uh, there'd be a role. We would have a list from casting of who they wanted to bring in. Producers made their own list of who they wanted to bring in. The studio had a few people they wanted to bring in. And that's all before we even put out a breakdown. Um, and a lot of time, I know, it's like there are these, the lists of that sort of stuff that would happen. Um, and sometimes it would be the case where it was like certain people were starred and it was like, let's go out to these people. We'll put out a breakdown. We'll get those lists going in case they all pass. I mean, I, I think it is very common, but again, like there are certain roles where maybe it's more unique and so that wouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that getting seen for a role, like going in for an audition when there's already an offer out, like outside of the fact of knowing like, ugh, like I'm, I'm probably not going to get that role. If there's a, if you do a good job and people in casting is like, oh, we like her and her tone, we like her for this show, you're going to get called back for another role. Like you're, you're, you know, especially in television, that's a much, there's going to be a lot more roles in that world. And there's a, you know, good chance they'll bring you back in, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would never go into an audition if there's an offer out and be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to like do this. You know, like, I think you still want to put your best foot forward because, you know, it's always an opportunity. Mm-hmm. One time I was in the waiting room of an audition and they were making the deal for the person that was going to play the role that I was auditioning for on the phone. And um, Floriana was in the waiting room with me from our class a million years ago. And we looked at each other like, should we just go? Like, like, cause we're, they're definitely like offering homegirl a crap ton of money. Um, uh, but I was like, no, um, no, I've, I've walked all the way in on this freaking uh, Fox lot. I'm going to get my two minutes with Jeff Greenberg. Yeah. Um, and just sort of like finesse that relationship, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah and there, and there's just like, there's so many things that go into it too. Is like, like I said, the thing I had, it's like, you know, they had an offer out and the person accepted, but then something happened. Like maybe they decided they didn't want to go out mm. to the world this fall. And, you know, so like things like that happen and you just kind of, you don't, you still don't know how it's going to play out, you know? Right. The sort of mental agility and, um, um, understanding of, uh, or accepting sort of lack of control in this business, I think has got to be a priority for every actor. I, I will say a short, quick thing is I, I actually, we were about to go make this movie and I had a, a, small part in it as well like oh Stacey's gonna be there she should play this role so I was gonna be this role um and I was playing uh basically an assistant to the person we had not cast the lead the person above so I'd already been cast like they were like yeah you're gonna play this and then another actor that was very similar to my type ended up having interest in the boss role and I had to literally say, I mean, it was kind of rough, but I was like, guys, I get it. Like, I can't take this role because I could finally see from the other side of like, we can't have like the boss and the assistant look identical and have the same vibe, you know, like whatever. And it's like things like that, that like, you just have to realize like there's so many variables. Like, it's like, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Wow. That's amazing. Um, What'd you say? You'll book something else? Another role in it though. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, uh, great. Does anyone else have questions? Uh, yeah, Jen. Hey, Miss Patino. Oh, hi. Oh, I'm unmuting you. But I've only clicked it like five times. Is that, is that, there is you that work? Yes. Oh, hi. Um, so, hello. And it's a two-parter. First part, did anyone's social media following play any role in their, in their Wait, casting? They, they, oh, social media following? Mm-hmm. No. Not at all. The only time that has come into play is uh, when the person is, 
for another project we're working on, the person is supposed to be a huge celebrity pop star. And in mm -hmm. that case, it kind of made a difference because we wanted that sort of vibe of the person. But no, I mean, I know there are stories of that, but like for that story, I mean, for, I don't know. I just feel like that's the story that sticks out when people are like, oh, they had more social media followers, so they got the role. I'm like, I've never come across that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, the second part was, for anyone interested in doing stuff behind the camera, um, is there anything you recommend for how to get started if someone wanted to produce, or do you start like PA and work your way up? I Okay, so I will say, I mean, I definitely had a weird roundabout way where like I kind of did stuff like 10 years ago and then kind of came back. But I will say, I would highly recommend PAing on something. I know it's a very like low level job, but it is like, I don't know, watching that all day long and then being able, like if you get on a good set, you meet good people you know? Um, and I also think like, I don't know, it, 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 yes, it's a lot of steps up there, but I think that like that can also lead to like being an assistant to like the showrunner. And then like, suddenly you're like learning about that world of it, you know? So if it is something you want to transition to, like, I would at least just say, try it any level you can, you know? Um, and ex your experience as an actor, there's a lot of like skills you can translate over on your resume to make it, make you more, you know, uh, desirable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah cool thank um, you thank you <laughs> see you um awesome anyone else have questions thoughts oh, there's so many people here um someone had asked uh in the chat just uh what stands out in self tapes we had covered that early on do you have like two go-tos or like basically you said we have got to hear you we've got to see you um like those are just the the basics the basics and then uh uh if the show is out there like play your tape next to a similar mm -hmm. like watch a scene that they like i mean that's really helpful for procedurals you know like if you're going in for ncis watch a interrogation scene of ncis and just see like does it feel the right vibe do i need to turn it up or down a little bit um and if it's a show that you know nothing about like then i think you know you're just you're again like just being comfortable you're bringing forward like what you think is being able to judge your own acting. Like, is this a good, is this good acting? Is this a good scene? Am I, am I doing the material justice? Mm -hmm. Amazing. That's great. <laughs> That's so great. Um, uh, Angela asked, uh, if you're in a Zoom audition, how forgiving is it for background sounds like a siren or a yeah. dog barking? Very. I, I think that's the one like silver lining of all of this. It's kind of what I was saying is like, we're all in each other's homes now where like, you know, it used to be where like you had to have the backdrop and make it feel like you're in a casting office. Like you can get away with stuff now, I think a little bit where we know you're at home. We can hear like your child crying in the background, whatever. Um, so, you know, I think there's definitely a lot more leeway now. Um, but I also think it's good to set yourself up now for what like the, the best to be able to succeed when you get auditions in the future. Um, kind of like how when self-tapes first became the big thing we always had to do. Like I know for me, the stress for me, like, I didn't want to, like, set up the camera and the this and the that and do all that. For me, I was like, okay, the first thing I do when I get an audition is I set up an appointment of where I'm going to take. And I just want to get that out of the way, and I'm going to outsource that anxiety of, like, yeah. figuring out the part. So I do think, like, that's kind of the new thing. It's like, okay, figuring out, like, okay, I live in a one-bedroom, or I live in a two-bedroom apartment, my roommate's in the other room, and she has six dogs and a two-year-old. And, <gasps> <you know? laughs> and figuring out, like, okay, how can I film stuff in my closet, you know, how can I make it where it's like, that's as soundproof as I can get, or like, we can all kind of come up with a version of whatever your best is going to be, and like, kind of figure that out now, while we have the time. So it is important to not have dogs yipping and yapping, and like, constantly yeah. apologizing, or yeah. Like, I think, I think there's some forgiveness, and, and sometimes it can be that initial little like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, like, and then they know that you have this cute chihuahua, and yes, that could be a cute moment, but like, we don't want to spend 15 minutes dealing with your chihuahua, you know, yeah, it's okay. kind of like, uh, I think set yourself up to not have to deal with that. And then if it does sneak in, like, okay, it's still going to be fine, but get, move forward with it, you know? <laughs> like, Got it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, uh, awesome. Uh, hi, Caitlin. Caitlin has a question. Hey girl. Yes. I was curious. So I heard, um, when you send an audition and casting, is it good to send two takes of every scene or do you prefer to just see one take? I, I think one take. I mean, I think unless it's something crazy where like, um, I don't know, 
unless it's something where the two are gonna be wildly different, um, I would just send one take. Because I know most of the time anyway, we're only gonna watch the first take. Um, oh, and that's, that's another big thing too with self-tapes. I know a lot of people, you do two takes and you're like, oh, well this one, like the beginning is so strong, but then I kind of flub up the lines towards the end. But the second take is like, the beginning isn't great, but then I like soar to the end and it's my favorite. I would still choose the one where the beginning's better just because I think that the, like the first 10, 20 seconds is what sets up who you are. So even if we are gonna watch the whole thing, it's like we already start, I'm like, oh, this, oh, she's a good actress. Oh, she looks the part. Okay, she's got it. And then we're kind of just letting the rest of the tape fill it in. Whereas if you choose the other one, just because you're like, oh, the end, I was crying. It's like, I might not even get to the crying if I don't like the beginning, you know? So I think if you have two tapes, pick the one that's the better start. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, Camille, who's uh, joining us today, asked, uh, what's new, what's next for you? What's your goal with your career? Uh, yeah. I mean, right now, anytime we're in downtime, I'm just kind of, I shift a little more over to the development side. Um, I mean, with quarantine, I've even done some of the podcast side because we haven't had it. It's just everything is slowed up a little. Um, but yeah, we're supposed to go shoot, um, this movie, this Netflix movie, um, that is, hi, Kristen. She just popped to the top of my screen. Um, we're supposed to, we're supposed to do that, go film that basically at the end of March. Um, and now I don't know when we're going to go film it, but that will be the next thing. Um, they say we're going back in November, but I don't have a lot of faith in that right now. Oh, who's attached to it? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. And I've heard of her. Yes. Uh, yes. Chet is also. Wait, who? Um, Kate Blanchett. Oh, wow. Lord have mercy. I know. And there's a few others. I don't think they've been announced yet, but um, it's a really solid cast and it's, I mean, everyone is, wants to go back and all that, but um, our company is doing a couple other movies before then. Like we're doing some smaller things um, that are, you know, small, one location with just a few more indie stuff. And uh, I think that'll be a test to see how this all goes. Like I know Netflix is going back into production on a couple things that they were finishing that got shut down. And I think that's also going to be a big test is like, they only had, you know, 10 days left. So they're going to try and do that and see everything goes. So, you know, it's going to be an up and down until we get, get that vaccine guys. That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, is Frida back in uh, preschool daycare? Or no, no she, no, she is not. Uh, we don't know what we're doing, but she's, her school's technically opening up in August, but um, we also have to sign something that if they shut down for two weeks at a time, we have to keep her in there and keep paying. And we're just like, wait, what are we, this is, I mean, just cause I have a feeling it's going to be an up and down. Sure. Story. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. Um, one last question. How often do you see unrepresented actors? Um, is it their relationship with casting that comes in or is it something where like the producer has already worked with them and is requesting them? Uh, both. I mean, that's kind of what I mean about like, for me, this helped a lot is like everyone you come in contact when you film something or audition for something, just like take note of that and have like your little Rolodex of it because Rolodex, it's like a word from 1982. Um, <laughs> um, no, but I, I would just like keep a booklet of that kind of stuff because what I found was most helpful. Like, like I said, when I was an assistant at a production company 12 years ago or whatever it was, uh, that assistant like now is a, you know, junior executive at another company, you know? So it's like you, you, any connections you make, like, they're going to move on to do other things, you know? I mean, half of the people might end up being insurance agents now, but you know, like you're still, <laughs> you're going to meet some people that, that stay in the business for a long time and others who don't. And like, you know, it's just kind of good from all angles. Cause I will say on the, on the HBO thing, like we definitely saw some people that were just recommendations of someone who knew someone that was like, I think they might be good for this, you know, but yeah, you never know. Um, uh, Sam Brillhart loved your insurance agent joke, by the by. Um, um, okay, so one final, final question. Marta, um, she says, do you think it's better to take a project where you have a bigger role, but the project isn't really something you like, or put it in the nice possible way, a project that, that, that's very good? Um, wait, or what, Wait, start over. What is the question? Oh, wait. wait I, oh, okay. Do you yeah, think you it's better it. to take a project where you have a bigger role, but the project isn't really something you like? or to put it in the nicest way possible, that good, or small. Is it very good, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> she's like, uh, oh, writing extra stuff. Um, so you're basically saying, like, is it better to have a big role in a bad project or a small role in a good project? 
That's yes. kind of it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess part of me would say a small role in a big project because you're going to come in contact with more people that are probably going to continue to make more projects. Um, but I also will say, you know, you do have to realize like when you are the smaller role, you're probably not going to have as much, you're not going to be spending every day with the director for 18 days. Um, but I would say take anything. I mean, even a, even a big role in a bad project, like you can, I'll tell you a story from my demo reel days. Uh, this was in like 2000, let me get the year right. Uh, two, I don't know exactly. It was before Bradley Cooper was a huge star and he had, oh. a, he had done some things. I'm not saying anything, but he had done this project called, I think it was Midnight Meat Train. Um, yes. And there is an action scene at the end where he gets like his ass beat by the other guy. And he wanted to put together a tape, uh, scenes from that, but make it look like he won so he could show that he's tough to, to the producers of something he was trying to get. I love this story. I, so I, I love this. it where we basically, anything where he gets hit in the face, we took out. And it's all the stuff of him defending himself. And it's like a 30 second sequence of that, you know? Um, so I will say, if you have a really, like a really bad movie, like Midnight Me Friend, uh, and you have a big role, like you can always cut it together and make it whatever you think it's going to be, you know? So be like Bradley Cooper. Oh my God. I love that story. We needed a juicy one to end on, and that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stacey, thank you so much. You have really fantastic information because of the, the work that you do, but I want to say this Zoom is like the best parts of Stacey. <laughs> Incredibly entertaining, um, so knowledgeable, so precise with what you say, um, good-hearted, but no one here knows what a great actor you are. That's the part we didn't get to see today. Oh. You're fantastic. Thank you so much. And I, I just want to reiterate uh, just how happy I am you guys are doing this. Because, like, I realize, like, you've been hit with a lot this year. A lot of adjustments and changes. And it's, it's really been a lot. Um, and uh, I think you're doing awesome. I just love everything you're doing over there. So it's super Thanks, fun. Stacey. I know a lot of people are messaging me. And I love you. And you're all great. And I miss all of you. I don't know if this is all going to go away when we quit. So I just want to say that. So. <laughs> Hi and bye, everyone. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Um, Kristen, do you want to say anything? I'm, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Now I can. Oh, hi. Hi. I just want to, I love you, Stacey, and I'm so glad you did this. And um, I was telling a story a couple weeks ago. Just um, She was my assistant for a while at the studio, and I knew that like she was way too good to be my assistant. I was like, <laughs> I'm on borrowed time here. But it was pretty much life-changing for me in the office. Like, it, it kind of taught me how to have help because yeah. I didn't have to tell Stacy to do anything. She just saw what needed to be Yeah. Yeah. Well, so then going forward, I was like, oh, I can delegate. This is, my mind is blown. I don't have to do everything. And you, like, literally, I feel like changed my life and changed a lot. You came up with so many ways to streamline my work that I still use today. And I'm just like, you're like my little hero mm -hmm. angel. <laughs> I mean, and I'll say like a lot of the stuff I did in the office, like prepped me for the work I do now. Cause it was just, it's like the idea of like, okay, we got to do this. Like, how are we going to do it the most efficiently? Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> so um, well, thank you so much guys. This is really awesome. Fun. Thanks everyone for joining us. All the SKS students and people who, who are new to us. Uh, thank you so much. I enjoyed this. It was so great to see all thank your you. faces. Bye. Bye everyone.